Welcome to Sea of Fire Ministries Podcast with Pastor James Myers. And now, here is Pastor James Myers. So chapter 17, uh, verses 22-34. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious, For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's uh, hands as though he needed anything, since he he gives to all life breath in all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us, each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own po- poets have said, for we are also his uh, offspring. Therefore, since we, are, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these, th- these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And when they had heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, We will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men uh, joined him and believed. Among them Dionysius, uh, Dionysius, uh, the Areopagite, a woman uh, named Damaris, and others with them. He who has ears to hear the word of God, let him hear it. All right. So first, what I want to say is, remember, this is the first time we see Paul addressing specifically pagans. Remember, he's expositing the word of God to in the synagogues and to all the Jews. These are all pagans, so they don't know the Old Testament. They don't know Scripture. So he's, he's using what they know. Remember, he quotes one of their poets. But what I want us to notice is everything in his sermon is straight from the Bible. He doesn't quote the Bible. He doesn't, like we've seen him do so many times in the past. We saw Peter do. But, I, but it's very important to notice everything in here is also in the Bible. He's still faithful to the word, <laughs> even to pagans. And I, I want us to pay attention to that. I want us to notice what he's telling those pagan people. Because remember, I had even said these people are a great reflection, or a reflection, a good reflection of our own time. Okay? And we'll get into that a little bit uh, towards the end, too. Okay, so... Remember, we'd, we had already mentioned that uh, it, the, this, this, this very religious was not a compliment, you know. And, and then basically he, he says, I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Therefore, the one you worship without knowing. So basically, ignorance. The problem is ignorance. This is very important. Let me, let me, point, let me go to the next one real quickly, because just to set this part... no. I thought it, oh, okay, it's the next one. I just put it out of order. I'm sorry. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 4, 6, again, written by Paul. He says, For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is salvation. Knowing Christ. It's, it, it's not credulity, but 
this is what lifts us from darkness to light is the knowledge of Christ. Okay, so let's go back just to set it up a little bit. We'll return there here in a second. Okay, so this, this, the, the, he is pointing out their ignorance first. Uh, him I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it. So this is the beginning. And let us notice, he goes from the very beginning of the world of creation to the judgment. We'll see that. But he's giving the whole glimpse, the whole, uh, uh, the whole picture of beginning to end. But he's starting with Genesis 1, essentially, but not quoting it. Okay. Uh, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples. We've mentioned this, but he's, he's made these things. And so obviously he does not dwell therein. Okay. So he's pointing these people to that, to that fact. And let's, let's realize here too, that, that men, pagan men apart, in darkness, try to compress God and ultimate reality into these into these specific compartments. God is above all things. He's created all things. So it's silly in any imagination to imagine him dwelling in a specific compartmentalized idea even. So even though he's pointing out these temples, let us also see the propensity of that in other areas in our own time. Um, so, he is Lord of all, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though, as though he needed anything, since, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. He's the one who's giving all of these things. So, he doesn't need anything from the hands of those he's made. Okay, and that's he's pointing, again, to that same propensity, to that same inclination that men have in, in suppressing the true God for this replacement kind of a thing. Okay. Uh, he, is, he is made from one blood, every nation of men to dwell on the, on the face of the earth. He's talking about our common ancestry through Adam. Uh, to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their, uh, their dwellings. This is very important. What he's saying is, through even, even the placement of different nations, even the placement of these people, you talk about the history of wars and everything, God has ordained, God has established, God has predetermined, and he has made it come to pass. The boundaries of these different areas, according to their appointed times, these peoples and all of that, according to their per, uh, appointed times. Um, uh, the boundary, yeah. So that they should seek the Lord, and in the hope, uh, and in, in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. We'll return to this. I'm, I'm giving you a little brief synopsis of this before we break it down even more. Um, but so, uh, in the hope that they might grope for Him, though He is not far from each one of us. We'll get back to that. Uh, for in Him we live and move and have our being. We'll get back to that. Uh, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Real quickly, this word offspring is different than the word child. Okay, this is genos. I don't remember what child is, but remember, these, this is basically, we are all generated from God. Again, God has created all, all men, but we are not all his children. He's quoting one of their po poets, and this is a very br brilliant move. He's, saying we are, he's not saying we are all his children. He's saying we are all generated from him. We all come from the same creator, common maker, common blood. Um, 
Yeah. Therefore, since we're since we're the offspring of God, we ought not to think that this divine nature is like gold or silver or stone or any other weird imagination. Uh, something shaped by art or man's devising. That's where we are. Um, truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the which was continually prophesied about. But again, he's not quoting prophets. He's pointing out the fact that, that he's determined a day uh, in which he will judge the, uh, the world by righteousness by the man or in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained, obviously Christ. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. So that goes to his crucifixion, but he doesn't men mention the crucifixion specifically, but he rose, them from, rose him from the dead. And now these, problem, these people are going to have a problem. So first of all, he deals with their superstition. Superstition is a huge deal in our time. Let me quickly say, because again, last week was really setting up this week, and I hope and by God's grace, these are still two distinct messages. However, let me go back to, remember when we were briefly looking at the psychology of the world and all of that kind of thing. Look, I don't detest psychology. I have nothing against psychology and even whatever assist, assistant the world can give the world. To the extent that a psychologist can help a pagan, they ought to be there. That's a great and grand, grand thing. But for the Christian, the Christian is counseled by the counsel of God, the wonderful counselor. The, the, Christ, one of Christ's uh, titles is wonderful counselor. So let the world treat the world but because basically they just like a doctor who can who can cover up like a disease with 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 crazy drugs but never deal with the disease itself christianity deals with the disease it's sin but let the world treat the world in the church we are given light we are given the the wonderful gracious plan of god we have we're we've been given the great providence and special revelation of his redemption okay so let's just see this in light of what he's doing for his people okay so he starts with who and what god is god who who made the world and everything in it so he's creator and maker of all of all human of all things so but we are all from the same maker and creator which again is attested to in scripture so, and um, this ignorance, so he's, he's also pointing out that their conscience had to be seared somewhat, right? Because they've made up all these altars to these, to these gods whom they know because they've invented. You know, they know, that they know those gods because they've made them themselves. And just in case, because their conscience is still seared, because man is still made in the image of God, and so he still knows he still knows. He claims he doesn't. But he's saying that this actually points to the fact that you do know him. You know that no matter how many gods you've made, there's still this, 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 this thing that just keeps on pecking at your conscience. That's because you know him. You just suppress him. Okay. Um, yeah. And nothing can, nothing can be an adequate portrait of God, you know, you, no matter, you know, he's not made of gold or silver or whatever you try to do, there's nothing that can constrain this eternal God into these, these little things, okay? And lastly, 
he goes to Christ's resurrection, obviously from the dead. But remember, these people are looking for the Aperon, the, the ultimate reality. Really quickly, remember, they were the Epicureans and the Stoics. Those people were actually at odds with each other. They were, they were opposed to each other, but they worshipped basically the same gods because it didn't really matter. But um, they were opposed to each other. But um, so he... The the Aperon, what he's saying though, is the Aperon is is God. The 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 Logos is Christ, and all of this is found in God. Um, for in Him, we live and move and have our being. Let's spend a little bit more time here. So in Him we live. What he's saying throughout all this is God's created and, and God's made all things and, and he sustains all things because he's, he's given uh, to all life, breath, and all things. He reigns on the just and the unjust. He provides for the, for the evil and the good. And uh, so in him we live, we have our sustenance, we have our, we have our meaning as well. We talked about that as well. Motion though. I, I, something in me sees that 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 uh, Paul uses here kind of a kind of a <laughs> ascending and then kind of a descending. I think the motion is kind of bigger than the life and the being. And let me let me say why: motion, motion, animation, uh, will, uh, uh, conformity to God's to God's will, singing, uh, praising seeking him out reading his word all of those are motion the 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 activities of our life our labors even ministering and witnessing to Christ is emotion in him we have all of that motion all of the means by which to attain the abundant life Christ has given to us Christ promised not to just give us life but abundant life true full life that we find only in him in Him we have real, true, eternal life. In Him we, tr we have true, real, eternal motion. This motion will not end in the grave. This life does not end in the grave. Our being does not end in the grave. They are all found in Him. In Him we all live and move and have our being in one respect. But in Him the church has a vitality like no other, and has an exuberance and, and, and an action like no other, and a calling like no other, and it has an essence, she has an essence like nothing in the world. In him we live and move and have our being. Every creature lives and moves and has their being in him. Ultimately, the church, the light given by Christ, Let's return that real quickly. All right, it's out of order. Okay. For it is, for it is the God who commanded light to shine uh, out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Again, the, 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 the light is Christ. So again, out of the ignorance, out of the darkness, comes the knowledge of Jesus Christ, who God has commanded this to shine out of darkness, to shine in our hearts. This knowledge transfers from the mind to the heart. And then that light shines in our hearts and is expounded and comes through the mind. 
Remember, Christ says nothing that goes inside into a man defiles a man. It's not that which goes inside the man that defiles a man because it goes through and, you know, by that is cleansed. It's what comes out of a man that defiles a man. The man whose heart is still dark will only say defiled things out of darkness. The man or woman who God has commanded the light to shine out of darkness, to shine in their our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus for ourselves, for the church, and the lost. This is a beautiful, wonderful thing, but it is only this light, it is only through this light that we have that true vitality of life, that true action and commission and command and gracious command, great privilege to be the light to the Gentiles, just like, just like our Christ just to reflect his same refulgence, his same radiance. Okay, okay, let's go back. It takes a little bit. Okay, okay, so, okay, now let's go, let's go to here. These times of ignorance God overlooked, so the past, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Okay, we briefly talked about this, but once Christ came in the fullness of time, God overlooked, God did not have, you know, again, in the fullness of time, there was no Christ who had suffered before he came. So he overlooked it in that respect. Every man is, uh, and woman is called to an account on that day. That uh, this, uh, he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained, it includes all men and women, before he came and after. But what he's saying here is since Christ came, he commands all men everywhere to repent. Christ's salvation is universal in, insofar as it, his grace, his blood, the power of his salvation. Well, um, it's too late. It's fine. Um, the power of his salvation is, uh, is through, is, is powerful enough to apply to everyone, but is only given to some. But he commands all men everywhere to repent, especially since he sent his son for the redemption of people, to procure a great and mighty and holy harvest, to praise him without end, to have a beautiful and wonderful relationship, to have a beautiful and wonderful family eternally. That's why he's done this. But, okay, again, just... He's, he's using the testimony of Scripture to introduce to these pagans the, the general re revelation of God's redemptive act in, throughout time. Again, he's pointing to the very creation, to the very beginning, because again, the gospel, salvation is eternal. In, in, in God creating all things, that began that begins his, his mission, his will to have a people. It, be, it just begins that. And then throughout time, continually, he continues to grow that drama of redemption till Christ came and since Christ came. But he's using just generalizations, but still giving biblical truth. Okay, does that make sense? But this is what we are called to do. There are many people who are not familiar with the Bible. Many people who have heard generaliz generalizations of the gospel that we need to 
be the light of Christ to bring the light to them. This is our calling. This is our wonderful calling. Remember, this is from a man who is persecuting the church. This man who hated the church. This man who is mocking even worse than these people will. These people will just make fun of him. He was out for blood. And Christ saved him through that great light on the way to Damascus, which he never forgot. He never forgot. And then that's why, even in that, in that mentioning in 1 Corinthians 4, 6, for God has commanded this light. He, he, he continually refers to that light, which he had witnessed. John talks about light and darkness. We've talked about that. So this light has been given, graciously given to us to be a light to the world. Okay, so the verse, the portion I wanted to look at today then, Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongs uh, from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your, your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Real quickly. This is a vision Isaiah was graciously given of the, of the temple of God, God's throne. And it's the year the king Uzziah died. We briefly talked about him. We don't have to talk about him right now. So he saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe. Remember, we talked about how how in royal processions, the train of the robe would really signify the the strength of their their power, the strength of their, their royal power. His robe filled the temple. There wasn't enough space. It was so grand. The, the train of his robe is so grand because he's the king above all the kings. Remember when we talk about king of kings, he's the king, I mean, just beyond even the capacity of your understanding of king. Okay. Um, and it filled the temple. So above it stood seraphim, so angels. Uh, each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. So he covered his face because even, even, even the creatures that God has created to be in his presence, he's too awesome. His glory, his presence is just too awesome to, to really fix your eyes to. You, you think about looking at the sun, straight at the sun. And that's why I love C.S. Lewis's comment that, that I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sun. Not that I can see it, but by it, I see everything else. Same thing. We cannot stare into the radiance and the awesome refulgence of God. You know, we can only handle that so much. Even the angels he has created to be there can't even handle it. You got to cover their eyes. They're, and he creates them with six wings to cover their eyes and to cover their feet. Remember, when, uh, when God comes to Moses, the burning bush, and, and, but he even tells them, take off your sandals for the ground on which you're standing is holy ground. 
they cover their feet because they are not worthy, basically, to be in the presence of God, essentially. That's, that's just a very brief kind of synopsis of that. Beautiful. And then with two, they flew. So he gave them, <laughs> you know, he gave them the anatomy <laughs> to, 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 for their safety, but also for their function. You know, they, with two, they still had the capacity to fly. And, with, and the two flew, and one cried to the uh, to another and said, so they're, they're, they're praising God, but to each other. This is what we do to each other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. In Hebrew categories, the repetition strength, kind of just enforces what's said. Like, like uh, when we see Moses, Moses out of the burning bush. It, 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 it's there to signify Moses, okay? He does that through the calling of other people too. The threefold repetition only happens with the word holy. Holy means that he, his being is completely higher, even though there's an analogy, even though there's a link, even though that we're created in his image. He, his holiness, is of a completely higher and cosmic category that is not given to anything else. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. His glory is his presence. His glory is his presence in a generalized form again, but it's, it's full of his presence. Again, David says, if I were to flee from your, from your presence, where would I go? If I went to the end of the earth, you're there. If I go down to the deepest part of hell, thou art there. Um, so there's nowhere to flee and because the whole earth is full of his uh, glory. And the, door, and the posts of the door were shaken, just like he's shaken the prison and, and, the, and, and Pentecost and all those other areas, Christ on the cross, so the posts of the doors were shaken uh, by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, this is Isaiah coming to himself. He sees God, and he sees himself. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So, I've been continually emphasizing this coming to yourself. That is not salvation. Now, we see salvation. <laughs> then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken from the tongs of the altar. God is saving him. God is cleansing him, and this is the means by which he's going to show this, and this is the means that I'm going to illustrate for us how this goes. Okay, touch my, uh, touch my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. First of all, remember, he said he's a man of unclean lips, and he's a man of unclean, all sorts of other things. But he's specific, specific, specifically talking about being a man of unclean lips. He, he's called to be a prophet. He's, he has unclean lips. But, okay, behold, this has touched your lips. It's a live coal, burning coal. This has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away for, of unclean lips. And your sin purged. So, that's salvation. This is, this is a depiction of salvation. And just like... Our perversion, our corruption, our uncleanness has been baptized by Christ. By Christ's crucifixion, by Christ's resurrection, by Christ's ascension to make intercession for us. So, 
our our uncleanness has been cleansed and purified for the same purpose. I also and I and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, "Whom shall I send, and who will go for us?" Then he said, "Then I said, Here I am, send me." God calls out to his church, "Whom shall I send, and who will go for us?" The spirit of the age is the spirit of the age. I, 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 don't, I don't have any interest in making a big deal about the darkness outside of the church. What I want to illustrate, what I want to emphasize, the light that is so lacking within her. It's like she's sleeping. There's life, there's a heartbeat. It's very weak. Very weak. I implore you, anybody else who happens to hear this, wake up, shake yourself, find the light, seek him. All of that is nonsense. And to the extent that that comes into the church, we have darkness and we suppress him. No, let us hear him ask. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And dear God, give us grace to say, Here am I. Send me. All of us. All of us are called to witness to him. To be the light. He's commanded light. To shine in our hearts. To be the light. Don't rest in this world you are, you, this, is, this is life in abundance. This is wonderful. This is purpose. This is eter- of eternal consequence. This is not temporal. This is not fleeting. It's not one championship run and then we wait until next season. This is our lives. This is your lives. And this is the lives of other people as well. There are many lost sheep. And I've told you, Christ talks about leaving the 99 to save the one and rejoicing to save that one. That ought to be our ambition. That ought to be our pursuit. Any other pursuit is vain and fleeting and purposeless. We have an amazing, glorious, and beautiful, magnificent God whom he has given us the privilege to serve him in this wonderful wonderful eternal service where we don't have the eyes to completely behold him. We don't have clean feet to tread on his holy place or in his holy presence. But he comes to us. For it is he who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory and his presence of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Let's embrace this. Let's take this up as a holy cause and let it burn in you. Seek him out. There's only one way to grow in his grace. There's only one way to grow more into his light, and that is through his testimony. 
is through His very Word that our spirit, His spirit, is fed in us. It's the faithful proclamation. It's the faithful hearing. It's the faithful seeking. Okay. Paul was preaching to a bunch of pagans who wanted to find any other thing to replace God. That is our world. It is incumbent, and again, our privilege to bring the light in the face of Jesus Christ to the rest of the world. Okay, any questions? All right. We're going to read uh, Proverbs 3 and 4 uh, to conclusion. Let's see if this is still working. All right. <clears throat> My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Do not let, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find, so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes, for the fear of the Lord, and depart from evil. It will be health to, in your, to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the ch ch chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her, for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold, take hold of her and happy are all who retain her. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he has established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew. My son, let, not, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from keep being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when, when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it. When you have it with you, do not devise evil against your neighbor for he dwells by you for safety's sake. Do not strive with a man without cause if he has done you no harm. Do not envy the oppressor and choose none of his ways, for the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret counsel is with the upright. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of fools. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother he also taught me and said to me let your heart retain my words keep my commands and live get wisdom get understanding do not forsake do not forget 
nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will pres preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She, she will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Hear, my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in the right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on, for they do not sleep unless they have done evil, and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat and and breed and bread. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead, and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet, and let, let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. O God, our Father, bid thy light. Let thy people slumber not. Awaken us from slothful night lest in indolence we rot. Shake our prisons, shake our shackles, free us to thy call. Arouse thou, lion, smite the jackals, lest thy sleeping saints might fall. Keep us safe and yet on guard, let not a dreaming sigh. Keep us, keep us, make us sentries to thy regard, the apple of thine eye. O saints of Christ, awake, awake, may the clarion stir thy souls. Thy, thy beds of comfort now forsake, for our service too extols. May our greatest song be our watchful duty. Let this anthem loudly ring. May the bride of Christ, adorned in beauty, in blessed labor sing. <clears throat> Father, thank you for your amazing, abundant, radiant light. Thank you for the knowledge of your Son. Thank you for your salvation and your sanctification. Father, increase that light. Give us wisdom and understanding. Fill us with the knowledge of our Savior that we might know and understand the light that we are to share throughout the world. Rise up in us that fire to seek you and to know you, to love and to obey you, and therein to seek all your lost sheep, and to edify and to build and build up sheep who are in the fold. Father, increase our witness. Give us boldness. Give us strength. May your name be glorified throughout the earth, now and forever. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for listening to CFIRE Ministries Podcast with Pastor James Myers. We hope you enjoy this message. Please subscribe and follow us. Tune in as we continue into the Word of God.